1: Are you ready to talk money, Red?
2: I'm ready to talk money. Round two. Round two with Rebecca.
1: We, If you had uh, joined us last week, you would have got a little introduction to our guest today in Rebecca Sutherland. and, and Southerns. I, Southerns.
2: Not Sutherland. Sutherland.
1: Yes. Yeah, sorry, Rebecca. I'm going to already <laughs> butcher your name here at the beginning. Uh, so, but uh, if you want to hear a little bit of Rebecca's money story, then definitely, uh, if you're on the podcast, then hit pause and go back to listen to last week's show, because it is really great. Great context for our conversation today. And if you're listening on uh, in Ottawa here on CHRI 99.1, welcome. Don't stop. <laughs> you listen listening. to the show and then you can always go back all of the shows are archived on uh, chri's website on our website at more than enough.ca and on not um and of course if you're a podcaster they're on just about every podcasting platform that that we can get it on if we're not on yours feel free to reach out and let us know at info at more than enough or just give us a call at the office so great uh there's a the little intro reb you want to do a little intro for Rebecca. So
2: it's it's Dr. Rebecca Southerns. I wrote this down so I wouldn't get it wrong. She's a certified professional facilitator and CEO of Sage Solutions. And today she's back with us. And she last week she talked about her money story, as Dave already said, and gave us so much wisdom um, about Journeying with the Lord and family and money. And, um, but today she's going to talk about what she does for a living a little bit to encourage us because when we heard her uh, in May speak to a group of entrepreneurs, um, she talked about the word adaptability and she's going to. She's going to tell us a little bit more about that in a minute. But I just it just jumped out at me because, um, of course, it spoke to us individually. It spoke to us in light of our business. But I was thinking of all of you who listen to our show and deal with money every day. And the actual obstacle we're facing right now because we're just tired of the change or we're at our limit or we have so many circumstances affecting us that If we have to deal with our money story or our finances in any real way and do them well, we just kind of bury our head in the sand.
1: And I don't know how many times I've had people say, like, can can the change stop when talking about money in the context of money, kind of saying, listen, I think I've just kind of nailed it down. We've got a rhythm for two or three weeks or maybe two or three months. And then it's like, oh man, we got to relook at this again. Or, you know, that, that, mm-hmm. that uh, sometimes there's fatigue in that comment, <laughs> but often it it's just simply really like, is this? And then of course, as You know, my, my feedback is always, guess what money, you know, another word for money is currency and it will always be moving. If you're making it, you're spending it, you're making it, you're spending it. And so, yeah, sorry to, to, to tell you, but yeah, there's always going to be some change and certainly some management of, of how that goes, but let's figure out how we can make it simple. And that's why we do the podcast. That's why we do what we do at more than enough.
2: So thank you, um, Rebecca, for being here today. Do you want me to call you Dr.? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just want to read, um, one verse. Um, Philippians 1 verse 6, because actually this was a verse you gave us in our spiritual transformation exercise the day you were with us. It was one of those. And it says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. And you also mentioned verses from Psalm 27. The whole chapter is awesome, but the last two verses says, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living so, we don't have to just wait for heaven, because we're alive here, and we can see His goodness here. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart, and wait for the Lord. I think our heart of what we want to do in this discussion today is to encourage you to take heart, that you may be feeling at your limit, um, but there—but God— is faithful and he began a good work in us and he is faithful to complete it. Even when we are faithless, the word says he is faithful. So we don't trust in our own ability or ourselves to be adaptable to situations. We trust him to strengthen us for when we are weak, he is strong. So um, I just, that's kind of the intro to this discussion, Rebecca. I don't know if you have any thoughts on those verses before Mm. we get going.
0: So many, because I think one of the elements of him carrying on to completion a work that he has started is that sometimes we have our own script for that. We have expectations, we have dreams, we have a storyline that we think things should follow. And that storyline may or may not match the one that God has for us. And it just because our expectations are not being met, does not mean that he is not being faithful um, to that promise or to many others. And so, I think part of my interest in this adaptability journey is, in a sense, trying to stay nimble and responsive to what he's up to um, and what is going on in the world, and 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 not be sort of um, locked in to a storyline that actually never was. True in the first place it we just made it up in our heads. And so I would rather be someone who looks sort of squarely in the face of what is actually happening and, and adjust well to that, rather than um, getting stuck in a, in a storyline that literally I made up.
2: I have a question about that, but I should, we should probably just (laughs) go step back because I'm like, whoa, you know, you said just because our expectations are not being met doesn't mean he's not being faithful. Mm -hmm. That is worth saying again, just because our expectations of what our storyline looks like. And I tell you, the last few years, our storylines have been chucked out the window. Mm -hmm. Wow. yeah, and and going to the Word of God and going to our own story and reflecting on the faithfulness of God. He says all the time, I think Psalm 107 maybe, maybe I got the psalm wrong, but um, remember, remember when I did this, remember. Mm-hmm. He calls us to remembrance, and um, that's really important on our journey right now, I think. But can you just explain what you do and and how how this is important for us to know about adaptability?
0: Sure. I have a company that um, that does strategy facilitation mostly. So we're in year 25 of that. And I work with teams and individuals across a bunch of different community-minded uh, sectors of, of our economy, um, looking at how to align what you do with what's important to you. And um, that happens through strategy and training and coaching and speaking. But one specific tool in my toolbox around that is something called the Adaptability Quotient. And it's a new assessment tool that allows us to measure the adaptability of individuals and teams. And one of the reasons I'm loving this work in adaptability specifically is that in light of what you were saying about people being just done with having to keep adapting, whether it's in our money life or other parts. We I read a a quote early in the pandemic by Dan Gilbert that said something like, the slowest pace of change you will ever experience in your whole life is happening right now.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: I went, oh if that's true, like we are tired of it. And if the pace of change gets even faster, and that was, you know, well pre-COVID, but there's just technological changes, et cetera. We need a way to keep up with that and not feel so exhausted by it. And so what we're learning is that the people who score well on this adaptability quotient, it's not that they adapt and nobody else does because everybody adapts. Of course. I think it's, it's more about The fact that people who score highly actually are energized by it. So Dave, when you were talking about currency, money is a currency, but energy is a currency too. And I think it's actually becoming almost as precious as our money to us right now. And so if we can find ways to recharge our batteries, as opposed to having our batteries be completely depleted all the time, um, that's gold for us. And so um, adaptability appears to be one of the roots to a sustainable energy, if you can if you can find your personal pathway to adaptability that energizes you as opposed to depleting you. We are all going on that adaptability journey. That's not a choice, but the choice is how we adapt and can we find a pathway that is easier rather than harder, that's going to be quicker rather than slower, lower fr- friction for us than other pathways might be. And so this adaptability quotient tool has 15 elements in it. And if you think about How 15 things of any kind can be combined in a variety of different combinations. It means that we have a whack of different ways to get good at this. And that's the other piece that I think is good news about it is that it is learnable. It's not like a fixed personality assessment that says you belong in this box forever and always. It's a set of skills. And so um, I love that about it because when you get a score, it, that's just today. That's a snapshot. That's a baseline starting point, And we can learn this and in learning it, we will be energized by it and we'll stay relevant in our work. So let me just go back a minute. Can you just
2: define adaptability for us? And then I want to talk about, um, some of the ways that we can learn it. Like if you could give us some examples, even sure. in regards to our finances.
0: Yes. Um, you know not a dictionary definition but out of my head what i'm talking about with adaptability is this this capacity to change in response to changes in our environment and context and so part of what i think is really important about it is that we can't change everything all the time so some things need to stay unchanging while other things do change and i think part of what has made this covid era so hard for us is that Too much has been changing too much for too long. Um, And so even in the natural world, things that adapt don't change every element of their constitution at all times, right? So for me, this is partly a journey of figuring out what is fixed and what is flexible, but also recognizing back to the story of God completing the work he started what I thought was fixed and what I thought was flexible might <laughs> have to change too. So I'm learning to be adaptable even in my understanding of adaptability in that sense. Oh my goodness. Ugh. There's so much there. Okay. Because we can spend meta, like... I, Sorry. That was a lot.
2: No, it's good. It's, it's very good. So let, let's do some, I guess some practical things. Yeah. Cause we like the, those practical pieces. How do we learn? Like what can, what can the listener do today to learn some adaptability You said you said it's really personal. You find your own pathway to your own, how do you get energy so you Mm -hmm. can adapt? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll talk about the the elements that we know have the strongest correlation with adaptability. Um and so if we can get good at those, uh, we are most likely to be adaptable. That's not to say that I'm a big fan of, of focusing on our strengths. And so if there's areas of adaptability that an individual is good at, I say, let's lean in there as opposed to trying to get good at all of it. We probably won't. So I'd rather really amplify what we're already good at because that will be that path of um, easier change for us. But anyway, let me talk about the three areas that are really strongly correlated. One is um, resilience. And so that's the idea of bouncing back. When things have gotten hard, you get back up again and try again. It's also an area that inside my own client base, I'm really seeing has taken a big hit over the last couple of years. And so, you know, there's only so many times that people feel that they can bounce back. And so that area may not be that accessible to us right now. Another area that is, in fact, the strongest correlation, and I think for believers, this is a really powerful message, um, is that hope is The strongest predictor of adaptability in people. And when I talk about hope in this context, it has two parts. It is belief in a more positive future. So we believe that things can and will get better. And it is a sense of agency that we can get there that there is a path to get there so it's not just you know the better place or the better time does exist out there it is it does and I can see lots of possible paths to get there and I have the agency to be able to do that and so um, that combination of optimism meets agency is very powerful in adaptability and so if your listeners find that they can tap into that understanding of um, of hope that really does correlate Pretty strongly with adaptability. The final one in a a third part of the assessment is called team support. And what I love about this is that we are learning more and more that our ability to adapt is both an individual and a team sport, if I can put it that way. It has to do with our skills and our character, but it also has to do with our environments. And so if we personally just don't have much in the tank, our team and our environment in which we work, and this is largely a work-based tool at the moment, but the environments in which we work can help us adapt. So we might be really out of gas, but we could go to our colleagues or to our leadership in our organization and lean on them to help us be more adaptable. And let me explain it in the opposite. If you're in a work environment that really sort of squashes all attempts at innovation and disruption, you know, just intuitively that you won't be as creative as if you were in an environment, either a physical office environment or a cultural space in an organization that's like, yes, you go for it. Try something. Doesn't matter if it doesn't work. We won't learn unless we try, right? We are more innovative in environments that encourage that. And so specifically team support, meaning the people we work most closely with day to day, if those folks are people who have our back, and we know that we can count on them for support, we are freed up to be more adaptable. And so really, practically, if we can tap into the relationships with those closest to us, and invite them to be a resource for adaptability, and similarly, we can help them do that. um, We're not alone in this. Mm -hmm. So
2: let me just bring it like into a family setting. So let's say, cause this happens, let's say I've hit a wall or I've worked a long, long day. And then I don't even ask. And that I see, I walk into my office to finish up something. And I think I have to go do the dishes. I'm just not like, sometimes I ask, but I actually, sometimes they look at me and they're like, we're going to clean up for mom. We're going to get the laundry folded. I don't even, you know, they just see that I am maxed right out my, my, and maybe that like, is that kind of a little example where I'm kind of leaning in then into my family team to get the work done? Is that fair to say that like
0: that? I think so. I mean, the way that I picture it is, you know, and I don't know how this might be more useful than true, but if I think about having sort of battery life and it getting pretty low, um, When we can rely on the people around us to um, give us some extra battery life through building our capacity, and sometimes it is as practical as, you know, load the dishwasher and get that load of laundry folded, that frees us up, or at least it, it boosts our battery life in a sense to allow us to adapt in other ways. Because if we are completely depleted, it doesn't matter if the task in front of us is laundry or a big business decision we just don't have it. And so I think that's part of it. And it sounds a bit basic when we say that, that basically, you know, life is lived in community, and we don't get to do it alone. That is part of this. And I think it's really interesting that this adaptability quotient tool, which has been built in a work context, not so much in a family context, but I think it applies in both places. We just don't have the evidence to prove that yet. I think it's so interesting that there's an acknowledgement in it of things that the Bible has told us are true, right? We need to be people of hope. We need to live life in community. We need to acknowledge that when things get hard, we can get up and go again because we can, you know, variations of means like yeah. eagles, right? So yeah. it's it's very consistent with that to me, even though the language of the tool itself is, has not been built in that context. I think acknowledging that we are um, that I really do think of it as an individual and in team sport because There are ways like you have to do your part, but you also can rely on the people around you to help because, you know, if you can, I I had one group, for example, I was working with that came into a session really exhausted, very high stress. And they said at the end of it, they said, actually, it's our non-work life that is causing us the stress. We realize what a resource our work colleagues are to us. That's actually that part of our sort of our life picture is actually going really well. And we have, we were forgetting that we could lean on our work friends. And through COVID, when people weren't seeing their work friends, um, that took a hit, right? And they said, Oh, yeah, here I thought work was really stressing me out. And in fact, work replenishes me and feeds my soul. And I need to actually dig into that part of my community, because that's a resource for me to be adaptable, because I'm missing those relationships of collaborative projects, or just, you know, chats at the, in the lunchroom or whatever it might be that gives you that team support. Um, as distinct, actually, from corporate support, which we also need, but team support in particular, but meaning the immediate people we work with on day-to-day tasks, if that group of people are fabulous, we're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how do we translate this? Or do you have well, a Well, I, I
1: was just thinking, you know, there's one of the... the um observations in Reb and my relationship that we've seen over the years, and and it relates to this, that sometimes I'm depleted, sometimes I'm, you know, and and we've often said, boy, I'm glad you're up, Reb, uh, because (laughs) when Reb's depleted, it seems like I'm up and then, you know, we kind of charge each other's battery uh, using your metaphor, Rebecca. And, and that's been an observation in so many areas of our life. Uh, you know, when I don't have capacity to make another financial decision around our home, reb has had the capacity to to kind of let's talk about it let's walk through let let me take a little bit of that lead from you because you're thinking about all these other things yeah. that that you just don't have the brain to 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 do that now and and you know okay great and then the opposite of course as life happens it switches and and we never quite know where it is almost on a daily basis but but to to recognize that that's such an important part of how we manage the resources, you know, whether it's time or money that go through, uh, or relationships that go through our, our home, you know, there are, there are times in all of those situations where I, you know, I'm going to take the lead because I have capacity or Rev's going to take the lead because she has capacity. Or we look at each other and we go, uh, you know, if we both don't, well, then we need, there's something we need to do together to recharge our battery. And and that does mean going to the greater community. It does mean, um, you know, getting connected and, and saying, hey, we just need a, you know, a, a, a barbecue with some friends and just to hang out and not do all of that because that's what we need to recharge. So I 100% see that reflected in in really our, in our, our relationship.
0: relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think one of the things through COVID that has been um, extra challenging is that when you know in normal times, if, you know, if one of you is up and the other one is down, there's sort of this sense of, you know, as you said, playing off each other's strengths on any given day. And what I've been encouraging teams to do at work and workplaces is to really use that dynamic, even during COVID because since everyone was suffering and everyone was struggling, people didn't tend to share their burdens quite as much. And so, you know, you're having a hard day too. So that's not the day for me to vent to you. And what was happening was that, groups and teams were were, were internalizing the, the the struggles that they were going through because everyone was. And so although it's good to say we're all in this together, that sense of those sort of up and down curves not being as offset as they sometimes are where an up day for me is a down day for you. It's like, oh, we are all having a long down day in this COVID thing, so I'm not going to say anything. And so what we've been encouraging folks to do is zoom in almost like a tighter timeframe and say, okay, on any given day or in any given week, Somebody on your team is going to be kind of higher energy than somebody else. Keep relying on each other, even though the bigger picture is that we're all in a hard time. If we zoom in tighter and say, okay, for this morning, how are you doing? Um, Can I help you with anything? That kind of thing. So really getting the scale zoomed in a bit so that that turn taking that is really normal in processing grief or in sharing workloads and those kinds of things, could actually still happen, even though the big story was everyone was in a bit of a trough. So I think that team dynamic piece is really important. And I think also it does come back. I mean, it isn't only about our money, but given that you are interested in in money issues, I think it also helps us to say, I need to get better at this adaptability thing. And again, being intentional about learning it because it's learnable. And I want to learn about it because The story that I thought was going to unfold isn't what's happening here. And so how can I greet that with some intention and some skill and some grace and whatever I need and not kind of dig into old ways of doing things that are no longer serving us? So one other practical example is that there's something called unlearn is another element of adaptability and mental flexibility goes with it. And that's an idea of saying beliefs I used to hold, behaviors I used to embrace, that served me well at that time. So they were not ridiculous, right? They worked for a period of time, may not be serving me as well anymore. And therefore I'm willing to change and I'm willing to let go and in fact, clean house of those older ways of doing things that once served me, but are no longer serving me in order to respond to what's in front of me now. And so people that have that ability to unlearn And on the mental flexibility side, an ability to see lots of different ways to get to the same goal. So people who are are comfortable in sort of grayer areas or who who can say, well, if that pathway is blocked, I'll take this other detour to get there. It's fine. That kind of mental flexibility combined with unlearning is a really powerful predictor of adaptability. And I can see that really applying to money because sometimes the way we have to get to our end goal um, needs to change. And if we are kind of digging our heels in and saying, yes, but I've always done it this other way, if that way is no longer working, or if you can literally only see one way, you will be more likely to be stuck than to be responsive to what's going on, whether it's in the markets or in your family or whatever. Yeah,
1: and that's that's a huge I mean, we again, as we experience the change, just just even in the practical of, you know, interest rates have gone up, some people's mortgage payments have changed. But so that was a fixed thing that that in a sense, I a lot of our 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 financial planning is based on some of those big rocks, our mortgage payment, our property taxes, you know, like those things and and everything in there has been moving. Gas prices have gone up. Expenses have gone up. Now the mortgage has gone up. And you're going, I don't see how when I was doing even six months ago financially, now I I actually have to rework it. And as you said, that may mean, oh, well, what I did six months ago, I can't do. And that's a practical thing. I can't go out for dinner three times a month or I can't go out for dinner once a month. Like You know, sometimes those things are, are the things we're talking about when we're talking about you facing your real finances the changes that are happening and are happening and and I'm going to say this in the context of the current media there's an awful lot of fear that gets poured into that and and that makes people you know react in all kinds of ways some people dig their heels in and say No way, I'm not changing and, and, you know, come hell or high water, that's, this is what I'm going to do. And it just isn't working. And some people are changing everything because they're so scared. They're just running around frantically in their, in, in a sense, in their finances. And those reactions are obviously polar, but recognizing that, that there's somewhere in the middle, all of us fall where we're going, some, we do need to move that the needle towards where, where we want to go. And maybe the goal is just simply to live on less than you spend, never makes or make, sorry, live on less than you make. Okay. If that's the goal, what do we need to do to get that done? Right. And, and how do we do that?
2: What is, could you, we have what, like one minute left, but what is one encouragement or something practical that you would encourage people in this journey of adaptability and hope and resilience and just leaning into community?
0: Mm, so many things. But one of the things picking up on what Dave was just talking about, our brains tend to zero in on pessimistic things too easily, when in fact, the optimistic story is either equally true or more true. And so I think just noticing where we are falling into patterns of um, of pessimism or of a lack of hope, um, or perhaps of stubbornness that is causing us not to be responsive to the changes around us, Um I think that's that's one really practical thing is paying attention to that chatter in our heads and noticing if we are fixating on negative things. Because, you know, the Paul writes that we should fix our eyes on and think about the things that are um, noble and true and life-giving, right? And so um, – in a really practical way, I would I would pay attention to our the self talk and the chatter in our heads and make sure we're not giving too much airtime to That's great. the pessimistic.
2: We're stuff. just so glad you came today and um, we're totally at the end. So Lord, I just wanna thank you for Rebecca and the work she does and would you bless her knowledge and her reach into businesses and into communities to help us uh, be ones who adapt to the changing times with with you, Lord. And I just thank Thank you for her time with us today. And I just pray your blessing on everybody who's listening and um, that we'd really eat what, what you're teaching us in these days. In Jesus' name.
1: So great. Thanks again, Rebecca. And thank you for listening and join us next week when we talk money.
0: Let's Talk Money is a division of More Than Enough Financial Fitness, where God is
1: transforming hearts and bringing hope for today and freedom for tomorrow. For more information or
2: to comment on today's show, please visit morethanenough.ca.